morning and welcome to the lesson of the day uh, here. And we have uh, another amazing lesson in the practice of the mind training where we begin to experience, where we experience the truth of what has been given us. So we take it from a conceptual or an idea about it to a real experience. And as you have noticed in our, let's say, more recent lessons, like the last four lessons or so, one of the words or ideas that seems to be operative or that is operative is actually this idea of freedom and what freedom truly is. Um, I just have to speak here for a te- on a technical uh, matter, and that is I'm not sure of my settings because I had a little bit of difficulties. My computer crashed and I had to get a completely different computer. So if this is not coming, or if you can hear me, please uh, send a message in the chat and let me know that everything is okay. So I appreciate that. Anyway, uh, so we... Notice in the last lessons this idea of freedom. And today, of course, we are going to also stay on this theme or this idea of freedom. What limits can I lay upon God's Son? And this is a really great idea because it is simply... A retrospective or a introspective would be the word idea that it is impossible to limit what I am what you are in truth now you can pretend that you can limit it and suffer seeming suffer from the consequences when I say seeming because suffering again is just an idea pain is a poor or wrong perspective. It is not so. And so this idea of limitation is also not so. These are the nice ideas about it. What we are concerned with here, as always, is more uh, the practice or the acceptance. Let's say, I, I really like this word contemplation because if you, if I'm willing to carry the idea in everything that I am active in and involved in throughout my day, that I, if I let this idea be with me and use the idea as a barometer, I'm going to use it that way, or um, a, a true idea of comparison, let's say. It's not a true comparison, but it is a um, true idea in which I can look at every idea, every assumption that I have made and see that any limited idea of myself or anything cannot be true. 
And it it is in the honesty and the willingness and also the being alert that uh, helps or, or lets me carry this idea in the day in everything that I'm doing, that I'm not just laying the idea aside, that I literally am using it throughout the day. Okay, I know we talk about this a lot, but for me it is always helpful to uh, step back and see where it is that I am actually putting my effort and my energy and where I want to put it and where I want to be and all my direction can only be to this single purpose. So, we're going to start by reading the lesson. Then we're going to go to what is the Christ and then we're going to come back to the lesson. What limits can I lay upon God's Son? Okay, let me be honest now. Whom God created limitless is free. I can invent imprisonment for him, but only in illusions, not in truth. No thought of God has left his father's mind. No thought of God is limited at all. No thought of God but is forever pure. Can I lay limits on the Son of God, whose Father willed that he be limitless and like himself in freedom and in love? Do you see this is an incredible idea? This is my idea for today. This is your idea for today. If you carry that with you as a basis for every thought, action, word, and let that be so, you literally are uh, transforming, I would say it this way, your willingness to do that is literally letting the light shine, letting it be so, because it is so, and as you do that, you do recognize that it is true. So you're not trying to impose an idea like, oh, I defined it this way, now I'm going to define it that way. No, this is not about another definition. This is a withdrawing of the previous definitions and using the idea as the light, the true idea, the fact of the matter. So what you're allowing to occur is to put it on and wear it. This is a fact. I cannot lay limits upon God's Son in myself nor in anyone. That is a fact. All right? So let us assume that. Let us be that and know ourselves as that. So in the prayer, it says, Today, let me give honor to your Son, for thus alone I find the way to you. Father, 
I lay no limits on the sun you love and you created limitless. The honor that I give to him is yours and what is yours belongs to me as well. Wow. So we're going to let that be our basis. God is our father. God is our source. We can only be as he is. So, what is the Christ? What is the Christ? The final day of this theme. What is the Christ? Christ is God's Son as He created Him. He is the self we share, uniting us with one another and with God as well. He is the thought which still abides within the mind that is his source. He has not left his holy home nor lost the innocence in which he was created. He abides unchanged forever in the mind of God. Okay, that is the description. I'm going to use that word very advisedly. That is the description of you. Christ is God's Son as He created Him. There is nothing outside of that. He remains changeless forever. Those are the words. But why not accept that as the way things are? Why not put all your trust in that? Why not put all your eggs in that basket? And whatever seems to confront you, why not let it be that the truth literally does correct all errors in your mind? And as we were given in Lesson 107, what is an error but an illusion unrecognized for what it is? It has no meaning. And since it has no meaning, and since it is an illusion, it can be corrected. What gives it the reality, of course, is your determination, and it is a determination, to hold it as true and real. It's not so. So, before we continue with what is the Christ... Let's again take another moment and we're going to play a song and uh, we speak the words but truly we allow this time to also be our meditative practice or our our contemplation that we use the ideas and we look at them and we are with them and we see their implications for us in their totality, in every moment, what they uh, are, what they can um, lead us to. I'm looking for words here, but you get the idea. So let us just stop and play a a song. And uh, I wanted to say... Thanks, you guys. Uh, I got some messages. Thanks, Devavon. Thanks, Walter. I love you guys. And everybody who's tuned in, thank you so much. 
All right, so let's play um, Heaven is Calling You. Actually, this is Heaven is Raining Down. I clicked the wrong thing, but that's good. Washing your tears away, washing your fears away, washing the years away.
Thank you so much. Heaven is raining down, and I just want to thank all you guys for being here. And I have to confess, I don't know what the issue is here, but I feel like technically I'm tripping all over myself today. I try to send messages, and nothing happens, and blah, blah, blah. So uh, so thanks for bearing with me. Okay, let's continue with um, what is the Christ. Okay, Christ is the link that keeps you one with God and guarantees that separation is no more than an illusion of despair for hope forever will abide in Him. See, what I really love about every sentence in A Course in Miracles is that just in that one sentence is the whole answer given. Christ is the link that keeps you one with God and guarantees. See, this is really personally confrontational because if I allow that statement of fact to be, I have no problem. So you can see that for yourself that every seeming uh, challenge or difficulty or uneasiness or loss of peace or however you want to say it is nothing more than quibbling with that idea. It's, uh, no, I think I'm right. But, but again, this is, uh, requires uh, humility and humbleness, not in the sense that, oh, woe be to me, I am so wrong, but in the sense that I am mistaken and I can never really change what is. But if I'm willing, if I'm willing to, um, uh, and from the Bible, this is the idea of keeping your lamps full and your wicks trimmed. If I'm willing to be alert, to be active in my mind, then everything literally is transformed into the light, into the love of God and reflects that back to me, that there's nothing else. And this is, this is literally the idea is heaven is the decision I must make. So let's read it once again. Christ is the link that keeps you one with God and guarantees that separation is no more than an illusion of despair for hope forever will abide in Him. Your mind is part of His and His of yours. He is the part in which God's answer lies, where all decisions are already made and dreams are over. He remains untouched by anything the body's eyes perceive. For though in him his father placed the means for your salvation, yet does he remain the self who, like his father, knows no sin. Home of the Holy Spirit and at home in God alone, does Christ remain at peace within the heaven of your holy mind. Again, this is so biblical. The kingdom of God is in you. Think about that.
is already present in you. And so you just welcome, you allow it to be and cease to impose your own thoughts and ideas of separation, of, li- of being limited and small and weak. You cease to impose those ideas and let it be there. And as you let it be there, you, it is revealed unto you in everything as you allow it. Right? So this is the only part of you that has any reality and truth. The rest is dreams. Yet will these dreams be given unto Christ to fade before his glory and reveal your holy self, the Christ, to you at last. The Holy Spirit reaches from the Christ in you to all your dreams and bids them come to him to be translated into truth. He will exchange them for the final dream which God appointed as the end of dreams. For when forgiveness rests upon the world and peace has come to every son of God, what could there be to keep things separate for what remains to see except Christ's face? And how long Will this holy face be seen when it is but the symbol that the time for learning now is over and the goal of the at-one-ment has been reached at last? Wow. So therefore, let us seek to find Christ's face and look on nothing else. So therefore, let us seek to find Christ's face and look on nothing else. And as we behold his glory, we will know we have no need of learning or perception or of time or anything except the Holy Self, the Christ whom God created as his son. Wow. Wow. Let that be so. And what I would like to do as a a reinforcement or a restatement of that idea is read a section from the text and then we'll come back and do our prayer once more. And let's read a section from the text text. And this is from chapter 25. Chapter 25 is not a chapter that I personally uh, get into a lot. And yet now that I uh, stumbled upon it, and I won't say stumbled upon it, but it was given to do chapter 25 today, I, um, I, I, I'm amazed at what is given. This is true, and we've discovered this for ourselves. This is true of every section of and every page of A Course in Miracles that there is every word is completely loaded with the entirety of the truth. And yet it is given to us in a reasoning, uh, 
mode and also in the mode of uh, rhythm and touches us at every on every level and in every way so this is the justice of God and I'm going to read from the last section which is the justice of heaven and uh, there's always words that I sort of uh, have a lot of energy for me and one of these words actually is justice and you know as we know the the symbol for justice is always the the scales with the with the the, the blindfolded woman I, I don't know what we call her but she's blindfolded so the scales of justice are always balanced and they're balanced in the sense that uh, everyone is free and totally innocent so there's no weight on either side because they are balanced in their totality in that everyone has everything and no one can uh, sacrifice in any way that is justice all right so there's not a uh, there's no necessity to weigh because the weighing is literally the idea of limitation itself and remember, what limits can I lay upon God's Son? Okay, so let's look at the justice of heaven. What can it be but arrogance to think your little heirs cannot be undone by heaven's justice? <laughs> wow, think of that. It's arrogant to think that anything that uh, I could have made up in my own mind could not be undone by heaven's justice by truth and what could this mean except they are sins and not mistakes forever uncorrectable and to be met with vengeance not with justice are you willing to be released from all effects of sin okay that's the question let's look at this question look at this question for yourself are you willing to be released from all effects of sin? You cannot answer this until you see all the answer must entail. For if you answer yes, it means you will forgo all values of this world in favor of the peace of heaven. Not one sin would you retain, not one opinion would you retain not one judgment, not one idea of um, separateness? And we, we generalize here, but it is literally the idea uh, that as you look out, you can see something different from yourself. No. So if you answer yes, you would will forego all values of this world in favor of the peace of heaven. Not one sin would you retain, and not one doubt that this is possible. Will you hold dear that sin be kept in place? You mean that truth has greater value now than all illusions, and you recognize that truth 
must be revealed to you because you know not what it is. This is great. This is the open door. You recognize that it must be revealed because you know not what it is. All right, I'm free. Okay, to give reluctantly is not to gain the gift because you are reluctant to accept it. It is safe for you until reluctance to receive it disappears and you are willing to be given. Oh, let me do it again. It is safe for you until reluctance to receive it disappears and you are willing it be given you. God's justice warrants gratitude, not fear. Nothing you give is lost to you or anyone, but cherished and preserved in heaven, where all of the treasures given to God's Son are kept for him and offered anyone who but holds out his hand in willingness they be received. Nor is the treasure less as it is given out. Each gift but adds to the supply, for God is fair. He does not fight against his son's reluctance to perceive salvation as a gift from him, yet would his justice not be satisfied until it is received by everyone. Be certain any answer to a problem that the Holy Spirit solves will always be one in which no one loses. And this must be true because he asks no sacrifice of anyone. An answer which demands the slightest loss to anyone has not resolved the problem, but has added to it and made it greater, harder to resolve, and more unfair. It is impossible that the Holy Spirit could see unfairness as a resolution. To him, what is unfair must be corrected because it is unfair, and every error is a perception in which one, at least, is seen unfairly. Thus is justice not accorded to the Son of God. When anyone is seen as losing, he has been condemned, and punishment becomes his due instead of justice. Wow. This is interesting because as I read this and as we watch the video for the day when we finish up here, the video for today is, um, again, we're in chapter uh, chapter 27, the picture of crucifixion. This is with the master teacher where he reads the beginning of chapter 27 where he talks about, you know, how you need to suffer to make something else guilty. And of course, in this idea of justice is that no one loses. So your own suffering cannot, uh, cannot be and literally that it is a complete unfairness because this idea that you can suffer to prove the guilt of another literally holds everyone and everything in this idea that you hold about yourself. It's not true. So we will 
rely, we count on the justice of God, that God is just, that the scales are balanced, that they always, they always hold. I know I keep repeating myself here, and I apologize for that, but it is a, a, an idea that I want to keep active in my mind. And so um, all I do here is share my thought processes, and um, that's all any of us can really do, because we acknowledge that this is only truth. Truth is true, and nothing else is true. We cannot get old, we cannot get sick, and we cannot die. We cannot suffer in any way. And so, this is what it is. I need to take a break here, and uh, we'll play a song, and then uh, we'll come back to finish the justice of heaven. Let's play... Let's play Amazing Grace. carry on with chapter 25. Be certain any answer to a problem the Holy Spirit solves will always be one in which no one loses. This must be true because he asks no sacrifice of anyone. An answer which demands the slightest loss to anyone has not resolved the problem, but has added to it, made it greater, harder to resolve, and more unfair. It is impossible the Holy Spirit could see unfairness as a resolution, 
To him what is unfair must be corrected because it is unfair. And every error is a perception in which one, at least, is seen unfairly. Thus is justice not accorded to the Son of God. When anyone is seen as losing, he has been condemned, and punishment becomes his due instead of justice. The sight of innocence makes punishment impossible and justice sure. The Holy Spirit's perception leaves no ground for an attack. Only a loss could justify attack, and loss of any kind he cannot see. The world solves problems in another way. It sees a resolution as a state in which it is decided who shall win and who shall lose, how much the one shall take and how much can the loser still defend. Yet does the problem still remain unsolved, for only justice can set up a state in which there is no loser, no one left unfairly treated and deprived, and thus no grounds for vengeance. Problem-solving cannot be vengeance, which at best can bring another problem added to the first in which the murderer is not obvious. Wow. <laughs> that's, that's at best. The problem-solving cannot be vengeance, which at best can bring another problem added to the first in which the murderer is not obvious. <laughs> wow. The Holy Spirit's problem-solving is the way in which the problem ends. It has been solved because it has been met with justice. Until it has, it will reoccur because it has not been solved. The principle that justice means no one can lose is crucial to this course. Once again, the principle that justice means no one can lose is crucial to this course, for miracles depend on justice, not as it is seen through the world's eyes, but as God knows it, and as knowledge is reflected in the sight the Holy Spirit gives. No one deserves to lose, and what would be unjust to him cannot occur. Healing must be for everyone, because he does not merit an attack of any kind. What order can there be in miracles unless someone deserves to suffer more and others less? And is this justice to the holy innocent? A miracle is just. It is not a special gift to some to be withheld from others as less worthy, more condemned, and thus apart from healing. Who is there who can be separate from salvation if its purpose is the end of specialness? Where is salvation's justice if some errors are unforgivable and warrant vengeance in the place of healing and return to peace? Wow. Yeah, this is an amazing. The world I see has nothing to do with reality. It is of my own making and it does not exist. And literally, it is nothing more than the self-forgiveness. It is a dream in my own mind, that I can let go. It is simple as that. Salvation seek, cannot seek to help God's Son be more unfair than He has sought to be. 
If miracles, the Holy Spirit's gift, were given specially to an elect and special group and kept apart from others as less deserving, then is he ally to specialness. What he cannot perceive he bears no witness to, and everyone is equally entitled to his gift of healing and deliverance and peace. To give a problem to the Holy Spirit to solve for you means that you want it solved. To keep it for yourself to solve without his help is to decide it should remain unsettled, unresolved, and lasting in its power of injustice and attack. No one can be unjust to you unless you have decided first to be unjust. And then must problems rise to block your way and peace be scattered by the winds of hate. Unless you think that all your brothers have an equal right to miracles with you, you will not claim your right to them because you were unjust to the to one with equal rights. Seek to deny and you will feel denied. Seek to deprive and you have been deprived. A miracle can never be received because another could receive it not. Only forgiveness offers miracles and pardon must be just to everyone. The little problems that you keep and hide become your secret sins because you do not choose to let them be removed for you. And so they gather dust and grow until they cover everything that you perceive and leave you fair to no one. Not one right do you believe you have, and bitterness with vengeance justified and mercy lost condemns you as unworthy of forgiveness. The unforgiven have no mercy to bestow upon another, and that is why your sole responsibility must be to take forgiveness for yourself. I love this. Your sole responsibility is to accept the atonement for yourself is the same as your sole re- responsibility must be to take forgiveness for yourself. You are forgiven. Wow. The miracle that you receive, you give. Each one becomes an illustration of the law on which salvation rests, that justice must be done to all if anyone is to be healed. No one can lose, and everyone must benefit. Each miracle is an example of what justice can accomplish when it is offered to everyone alike, and it is received and given equally. It is awareness that giving and receiving are the same. Because it does not make the same unlike, it sees no differences where none exist. And thus it is the same for everyone because it sees no differences in them. Its offering is universal and it teaches but one message. And here it is. What is God's belongs to everyone and is his due. All right. So thank you for bearing with me on that. And now let's close with our lesson once more. What limits can I lay upon God's Son? Whom God created limitless is free. 
I can invent imprisonment for him, but only in illusions, not in truth. No thought of God has left his father's mind. No thought of God is limited at all. No thought of God but is forever pure. Can I lay limits on the Son of God, whose Father willed that he be limitless, and like himself in freedom and in love? Today, let me give honor to your Son, for thus alone I find the way to you. Father, I lay no limits on the Son you love, and you created limitless. The honor that I give to him is yours, and what is yours belongs to me as well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. And um, before we conclude, uh, again, I just want to remind everyone that is listening or who will listen that um, part of the lesson, part of the let's say practice part of what we do is we stay active in our minds as we look at the video of the day and we when we when i say we look at the video day we just don't, don't sit back and watch it that we're engaged in a mindful process of thinking with the master teacher as we view the video of the day and this we will do and today's video is Healing of the Dream, the picture of crucifixion beyond all symbols, the first episode. I want to thank you all for being here. And before we close, I'm going to play one song and uh, then we'll wrap it up. And I won't come back, so I want to thank you for being here once again. And I love you. And I have to confess, um, just talking into a microphone, I actually find it a little bit more difficult than looking at everybody's shining face. So um, thanks for bearing with me. And uh, let's play now Into Thy Hands. I just have to find it. Oh, I hope. Here it is. Okay.
You have been listening to Voice from Heaven, live in the Miracles Healing Center. Remember that God's voice speaks to you all through the day, that God goes with you wherever you go, and that God is the mind with which you think. God bless us, everyone.